This is the Welcome to Perth podcast, showcasing the stories behind our events, entertainment and lifestyle. These are the stories of how they came to be and what the future has in coming. We've got Aiden and we've got Chris here from Bar Pop slash Ice Cream Factory slash Beer Fest slash Snack. What else do you boys? What else have you guys done? Run a few festival bars here and there as well. Yeah. Yeah, we do the we do the licensing for pretty much all the major music festivals that come to Perth. Um, Falls, Fringe, Laneway, Origin. Um, so it keeps us busy. Yeah, just all the all the big names. Yeah. Okay, so how long have how long have you guys been doing this for? We started Bar Pop 2013. 13. Yeah, 2013. Um, I've been doing this since 2008, but I've been have been working in festivals since I was 16. 16. Okay, let's go right back then to the start. Everyone knows. Wow. All right. Everyone got ev- some time. Everyone knows Ice Cream Factory yeah. uh, and the other bits and pieces that you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So we're interested in. Festivals early on, yeah, loved them. Yeah. It was just an excuse to essentially go to a massive party, right? So getting paid yeah. for it was brilliant. So, yeah. um, started sixteen stocking fridges, doing all the sort of jobs behind the scenes. Went each year, sort of took on a bigger role, um, and so yeah, started from filling fridges to then working the bars to then managing staff and managing cash and managing tickets and things. And then in um, yeah, just found that I had a really really big passion for it. Just loved it. So. Which grew. So when did when did you start working in there? When did you start going? Hang on, I want to actually start my own company. So two thousand eight, I started my own thing um, called Perth Bar Staff. And that was originally just try and provide staff with a little bit more fun, treat the staff a little bit better, um, provide a bit of a better experience for the punters. Um, and then uh, yeah, that sort of blossomed and grew. We, we had a really good, uh, I guess, growth with that. Um, and then it really sort of hit its straps once I met Chris in, uh, was it 2012? Yeah, it must have been 12, yeah. Summer, yeah. summer 2012. Working at Perth Festival. Yeah. Um, and Chris was slinging drinks behind the bar and instantly met him from the very, like literally from the very first moment. I was like, you're a gum, can you help me out with the Soundwave Festival? And so I think two weeks later, Chris was running around with me managing 50,000 people at Metallica. Ooh, I remember that festival. I was there. That was a big one. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure about the RSA on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that was, it was actually really, really good. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was that was one of the moments where I guess for me, I knew first of all I'd found someone who was I could do this with for a long time. Yeah. Um, and that's when also Chris and I remember looking at each other, thinking this is massive. But I, I remember having this feeling, and it's probably that's Chris yeah. where. There's going to be a limit where people want to watch a stage from two kilometres away mm. and don't have that really immersive experience. And so, and that was the last sound one. I think they had two more. Oh, did they? they Judelop, remember? They oh, they went to Judelop. Yeah, with us. And then there was paid bills, I think, from, yeah, 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 from yeah. the organiser of that one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Line of square, but yeah. <laughs> okay. But that was one of the moments where Chris and I had a, a, this sort of moment where people, we thought that people don't want to continue with this experience where it's just too many people in a park that we wanted to start something smaller and a bit more intimate and that impressed you that you thought wow how are they doing this and so Chris and I went on a junket to Melbourne one time went to um, Section 8 one of the I guess Australia's first original pop-up bar Mm -hmm. where we were staying in a hotel in the morning went out shopping whatever came back at night 
and all of a sudden there's this breakout bar with like party lights and people drinking long necks and DJ in the corner and backyard party really yeah I think it's fucking awesome yeah so um, so yeah we came up with this idea why don't we we start doing these pop up bars and started that off in 2013 and Mm. started growing from there I love it and so you were working behind the bar when you met Aiden so yeah. did you have an interest in hospitality or you're just doing it while you're at uni or yeah it's just a uni job really um, our oldest and best employees Aiden's younger sister Gemma yeah. who I sort of grew up with playing hockey and, and um, you know in a sporting sporting environment so our, our whole crew of friends used to work the summons for Aiden yeah. um, so 2012 was a good one where you know, we're, we're pretty much all available, all uni students, so it's great. You get three months off and, and we'll just hammer the yeah. hammer the festival circuit behind the bar. It's yeah. great for me. I've got, like, pretty much, like, Olympic athletes all running around yeah. for me, stocking fridges that have this massive camaraderie. Like, they work until the job's done. Yeah, driven, and working together. It's just awesome. And so we still have that today. Like, mm. we've still got so yep. many um, so many really good, I guess, hockey players and athletes that, that uh, come and... Um, you know, work with us, and there's a bit of, uh, I guess, respect from, from Chris, who's played for some you know, top level hockey in general, who also captains top level women's, and um, it's they look after these guys as well who are trying to, you know, earn a crust, maybe playing, mm. playing top level hockey, and uh, yeah. and then try to work with us on the side, and then get to get paid a little bit of money and watch an awesome, awesome show while they, yeah, while exactly, they work. yeah, 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 exactly right. And then so from there, Bar Pop was formed. Mm-hmm. 2013. Yeah. We um. I guess we're in the we're in the, we're running the bar at Perth Festival when I met Chris, and um, it was up when it was in the museum, and um, there was Fringe was coming into the urban orchard, and and Fringe was you know obviously it was fantastic, right? Everyone was always saying how good you know Perth is during February when That's Fringe right. and Perth yeah. Festival comes alive, mm-hmm. and you drink it outside, and this you know, it's just really cool atmosphere, and people were saying, why isn't this here all the time? And we thought, why not? can't be all the time, but why don't we just do it for the start of summer? So mm-hmm. we kicked off um, with hiring the Urban Orchard, putting in a, I guess, a rental application or lease for the Urban Orchard for from November yep. to December. Yeah, 1st of November, I think it was our first trading date. Yeah, 1st of November 2013. Yeah. Um, okay, do we, we go the right way through to So we that? came in, so we'd come in and yeah. essentially we would load the trucks at 6am in the morning here. Uh, the boys would rock up and I'd drop the bollards going into the museum area um, go past the art gallery and then start unpacking the truck. Take them to four o'clock before the bars were really open. We've set up festoons and party lights mm-hmm. and a bit of plastic furniture and stuff and playpen fencing because we used to use the playpen to delineate our license area. Yeah. Um, and then set up this four tap kegerator. And the four tap kegerator was our first bit of bar pop gear and it was delivered on this very pallet. Ah. Held on to it. the boardroom table. Boardroom table. Like um, yep. But. Then they would we'd run the bar, we'd sell a little bit of booze and a little bit of food, and then we'd from we'd shut it down about ten thirty and start packing up, and we'd get out of the urban orchard about three, four, five a.m. Yeah. Wow! So it's a serious day, yeah. 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 And okay, so you're there for two hundred people. Two hundred people. Two hundred people. That's where we started. Yeah. yeah. So two hundred people. And then so you're looking at that, going, "This is a cool space. People are liking this." Mate, we we literally from from the first night, it's like high five each other. Like, how yeah. good is this? this is the best. Yeah. And when we're looking back on it, were we running at a profit? Absolutely no way. No way. Yeah. And it took it took so much, I guess, time before we started to figure out what our time was worth. Actually, you know, where you're making profit, where the amount of time and preparation and everything goes into actually what you need to make to, to pay off your costs. Because 
very, very easy to think that you know you sell a beer at the bar for ten bucks, um, and that you know you think think you're making making eight bucks, whatever. Mm. But reality is, you know, it's it's far from that. Mm. Um, yeah. And so yeah, and so you're running that, but you're running all these other different small events, being you know selling alcohol for other little pop up events that were sort of happening. So you're just running around everywhere at that, at that point? We had, yeah, it was sort of the start of it really. Like once once we did this, it's sort of like the greatest the greatest myth in the industry that we had some some secret way of legislatively getting away with it, mm. um, which was just a total myth because we were extremely compliant and, and we just went about the processes that people just didn't know about at that yeah. point in time. And that's, yeah, I guess you have a bit of background on that. So the way bar pop... Um, started essentially I run the bars I have a liquor license and so um, I have a catering liquor license and essentially Chris coordinates the events organise everything we call him the pop so I'm the bar the pop. <laughs> essentially that's where the two things come together and then we, we sort of join forces that's the that's the bar pop that's, yeah. the, that's the thing where we have a little bit more love a little bit of a bit more effort and stuff goes into it and mm. try to create a bit of an experience yeah that. so from from that first summer doing it ourselves we started to I guess realise that it's it's pretty difficult and you need to actually trade more regularly than just four or five Fridays a year. Mm-hmm. So um, we yeah, we started doing street festivals, you know, it's just the emergence of these sorts of things as well after like the street festivals sort of started to come alive. There's yeah. mm-hmm. you know, one in South Perth and one in Mount Lawley, mm-hmm. Mount Lawley but yeah, we had councils hit us up and um, yeah. yeah. organised hit us up. So providing that service was the thing and I think we got to say to doing hundred and forty four events in one year. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one weekend where we had 14 events on in one weekend yeah. and we are like running around like non-stop with like trucks just rolling ast- astroturf yeah. up and picking stuff. It was just mental. How much staff did you have at that point? We just had the three. Me, me Adam and Gemma on, on full time. And then games, we had yeah, the games. We ordered a few more. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. um, majority of the workforce is casual yeah. still. Um, but it was just, you know, it's manic and there's, you, you do an event and, and two would go well two would go okay and, and two would go terribly wrong. So, so you left off with nothing. Yeah. yeah. It was, and for all those hours. Exactly. Yeah, and all that stress. Hours, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so then I think we're in probably season three by now where yeah. we're running 144 in a year. Yeah. Um, and then it's, you know, it's back to the drawing board. That's when yeah. it's harder, not harder. And, you know, another year, another lap around the sun so, and, and yeah. pivot again. And, um, you know, then we developed Perth Craft Beer Fest. Yeah. Um, we developed a product called Feral Fest, which was which yeah. was one of our early on really proud moments. That was a real high five moment where we're looking around and there's like we had like the bucking bull and party lights and it's all real basic stuff thinking about it, you know, now, but it's just trying to create those little areas where there's just a little bit more and, and then just beer in a park because that's, yeah. that's, I guess, not what we realise that we, we are. We want to try and create all the things that's more than just you know, a beer in a park. It's anything yeah. else. It's that feeling. It's the activity. It's something else there. And so yeah, the, that year was was one of the moments where we started deciding let's do less, but let's do it better. And uh, we started then saying no to a lot of things, mm. um, and then just refining our thing. Yeah, which still, I mean, still went. We went through a, a number of iterations of saying yes to things. Simply because it's you know it's trading revenue and, and we thought mm-hmm. we needed it. Um, so that that process actually is is two to three years of, of yeah. working out what we say yes to, what do we say no to. Yeah, yeah. Because the time that you say yes to a gig that doesn't do that well, you could be working on the one that makes mm-hmm. does really really well, and yeah, you could be right, far much better. Yeah. 
So really, I guess, yeah, as we're leading towards like the urban orchard, when we were probably the biggest year of the urban orchard, we had uh, live at the orchard and the, all the festoons up and, and the stage at the back and had a few cool acts like mm. Gurgitator and Hearts and mm. um, the Kingies and the Lizard Wizard and Kids Fest and stuff. Yeah. Andy Bull. Andy Bull was fun. Yeah. Some fun stuff, yeah. And so you went, a passion for music, obviously, um, but to go... To actually get that lighting system that that cost a bit of money so that was a I remember I remember talking to the guys saying hey there's this dome structure um, where why don't we put it up but then not put the roof on it mm-hmm. and then we can string all these festoons to it and then if it potentially rains we can put the roof on so that was the reason why we did that mm-hmm. and, then we, yeah. and then we it's of course no with us like never, we never do things like just built out of the box so had to custom build a bit of stuff and then we had to custom build a roof panel so like 20 grand of roofing which we've still never used to this day. <laughs> um, nice to know so if, if it rains in December yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can bring it up there. But that's the thing is like the year before though we'd had experienced a year of like washout on like each of the three Fridays in December that we traded mm-hmm. again so we were like we needed an insurance policy against this and, and no yeah. insurer wants to give us a, you know, an insurance packet so yeah. It was like, well, let's put our own up, which is going to be a roof, which we custom made for 20 grand and, and never use it. So, yeah. So but you're still sitting there. So it's looking, <laughs> looking for a buyer or, or is it going to go on one day? Uh, the Touch wood, we don't have to put it up. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I guess the evolution is as we got to the stage where we maxed out that space and, you know, we had the, the thing where it felt like we needed to move to another another location and lucky to find a good relationship with guys from EE and, and we moved 500 metres down the road to the old Peter's Ice Cream Factory site. And um, hence, that's, I guess, where the name comes from, for the Ice Cream Factory. Yeah. yeah. When, when did that stop trading as an ice cream factory? Oh, I think 20 years ago or something. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a fair, cool. fair amount of time. There was a tobacco factory, I think, after that. Yeah, and then I was just sitting there, sitting there empty. So the decision to... So the decision to move, was it um, because of space? You needed you mean more area? Because I remember that year, you were packing out um, urban orchard a lot yeah there's a multitude of factors I think it was like it's City of Perth has been fantastic to work with MRA has been fantastic to work with it's a tricky site when it was government owned though at the end of the day and um, there's obviously been like a, a lot of pressure from other bricks and mortar bars and things on a government site and it's just very very easy to um, start working with commercially minded businesses who Essentially, it's, we, we leased a block of land from a private entity who runs bars and nightclubs and venues and stuff around Perth and doing well. And mm. it, was a, it was a really good alignment for us to, to start working private rather than, than, I guess, public. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a step up getting the lighting up and then to start doing, you know, actual real Eastern States and international acts. Yeah. acts and that went well at Urban Orchard. So Very then well. you've gone, all right, we now need to get bigger, we'll go private. So and then, then move to Ice Cream Factory site. And then we opened the doors and ran for from like first of December to New Year's New Year's Day, so yep. five weeks the first year. Yep. And that one um, was free entry pretty much most of the time. Then we came up with um, jump the queue sort of thing where we started to play with the limited ticketing, but we could try to keep it as, as free or cheap as we possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we always strive to try and put more crazy content and stuff into the site too. So we started to realise that we needed to, to I guess commercialise it a little bit more, and then. The next lap around the sun, we start looking at what acts and things we can bring in and shorten up the season a little bit more. Temporary bar policy comes into effect, so we can only trade within three weeks. And so we think, all right, we've got three weeks to kick between the goalposts. Need to, make, need to make enough money. Yeah. And there's a, 
I'm no numbers man, but there's a bit of money that goes into building a site like that just for three yeah, weeks. Absolutely, it's it's a it's a full full construction, you know, to the point where the applications are uh, development applications that that need to be approved, you know, within the city of Perth. So, um, yeah, it's it's not just like popping up a three by three marquee anymore. Mm. Yeah, a lot of cost, a lot of time, yeah, a lot of risk. And so then by doing that, you've gone all right now. The you know, you know where the goalposts are. Um, there's obviously a lot of back and forth with bricks and mortar and, and pop-up laws and everyone had a different opinion of it. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are going to these events and they're, they're loving them. Um, and you guys are doing it, you know, this level that no one had seen before in Perth and don't think in Australia. So you've put your money where your mouth is. If it didn't go well, I imagine it, it could have been... It's game over for sure, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So ner- some nervous times? Yeah, I think so. I think the, yeah. the good thing, you know, that we've come to learn and, and I guess what has helped our success in, in getting to this size is that we've made all our mistakes at the 200 person in the mm-hmm. urban orchard where, you know, although it was, it was seemed huge at the time, we're talking about five ten thousand $10,000 mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, whereas now it's not the case. Yeah. You're talking about you know, much bigger fish, so, but we've made the mistakes, we've learned them, you know, there's still going to be challenges, there's still going to be things we get wrong, yeah. but, you know, we, we feel like we've we've learned all those lessons the hard way, mm. but with without them being game-changing mistakes. I yeah. think now, as well, we, we've now got a really strong team, and there's 10, 11 full-timers we have, who are like surgeons at their job, they are like, they are fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to the stage where it means that because it's not Chris and I running around packing trucks or bumping in, bumping out as much. I mean, Chris, much, Chris yeah. wears his bloody work boots and stuff <laughs> in every gig and, and we're on site every single trading hour open. But it gives us the clarity to be able to and time to be able to make better decisions mm-hmm. because the staff are doing a lot more of the tasks and we're present working full time but working on the bigger, bigger, bigger decisions. Yeah. So that, you know, when something big does pop up, it's like we have the capacity to be able to deal with it. Whereas, yeah, yeah I think in the past, you know, we're running around, it was like pay whatever it costs, just get it done. And yeah. that, that thing was what cost us a lot of money. Yeah, yeah it's the plus, plus, plus that, that really can send you down. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's, we've also, you know, as we've, we've grown up, we've now got a full-blown CFO who's you know, so disciplined with, with us and how we spend and budgeting and stuff too. I mean, budgeting is like, night and day from, from mm. you know, where we started, like yep. what, what we can spend. I'm putting a real tight leash. I'm, I'm notorious <laughs> for overspending. I want the biggest stage I possibly can get, <laughs> biggest, I want lasers and lighting and whatever. So it's really, really good. Um, you got the ideas, man. You need to just yeah. measure that down sometimes. And that's the thing. It's like a running joke. Like I think I yeah, like go to Coachella and check out all the crazy stages and I say, yeah, hopefully I can pick up an idea and then tr- scale it down from 110,000-person festival down to a 4,500-person per festival mm-hmm. and keep it within our budget, which is going to be you know 5% of the size as well, if not less. Mm-hmm. So it's um, – but, yeah, it's – Nevertheless, it's really good good lessons and, and Chris and I now develop this really good push-pull thing of like um, the crazy, what can we do to keep pushing the envelope to what is reality, what's not going to send us under, mm-hmm. what can we do and then we find that we push and pull each other so we, we meet this really nice spot in the middle mm-hmm. where we're both happy, I'd like to say and um, I think hopefully there's puzzles there and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the year before... 
the 2017 year it would have been, so first year of ice cream factory uh, in December. Outside, I remember it was crazy, it was really good, and then inside, there was a few, there was bars, it looked really cool, but there wasn't a heap of people that were flowing into that at different points. Yeah. Um, so you pivoted the next year and went, what can we do to make this a real, this is the, this is the focus? Yeah, definitely. Like we started, uh, the 2017 year was mainly free entry all the time. And so we had a lot of local DJs, up and coming acts and things, um, not so much like headline performance. Then the following year, we were thinking, all right, let's how do, how do we fill out the warehouse space? How do we get a little bit more attention there? Let's put on an act. Let's get, get that space really, really humming. And so then it's, yeah, looking at what can we, we put in that place. And, and um, yeah, it's, it was a real challenge because everyone wants to be outside in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, and then you get, a, you get a warehouse, which is great in winter and for shelter, but, you know, really it's, you've got to try and draw someone in. So there's a few challenges trying to come up with saves that worked and, and then divvying up the, the factory area. I think we've got a silent disco at the back, so we need to use two-thirds. Yeah. Um, and then picking the right acts and working with the right people to try and try and fill that space. Mm. Um, but we're pretty lucky. We, we got the stage where for the 2018 year, just, year just gone, that we had 12 out of 14 nights sold out. Mm. Had some work with the likes of yourself, mate, on, <laughs> on a couple of the highlight shows, presets and broods. And, yeah. Um, and it was great that after a few beers one night we um, we, we came up with uh, I guess the thing of saying let's let's do a show we're mm. going to get presets and I kind of thought mate if you can get presets great we've got a deal here and what did you do when we got the presets <laughs> so. yeah, well, we were at fly facilities weren't we that's and, right uh, and then I think we're at uh, Mr Lonely yeah. uh, Whelan's uh, that's right. Shindig down there, and uh, I just bumped into you, and you had a party bus going back to yours. That sounds about said, right. Get on the get on the bus. Yeah. So I got on the bus <laughs> uh, with a few friends, and then yeah, a few more, um, a few, a few more beers, and then we uh, all of a sudden had a, had a game plan going yeah, forward. Exactly right. So, just had to find the right right act. Well, that's that, yeah, that were, they were a lot of fun. Good shows. That was really good. And then same thing again with I guess the the Brood show as well, where I, I guess I had probably a little bit less of an appetite for them but you were so confident in them based mm-hmm. on your experience with them and your previous venue and stuff too so mm-hmm. this thing it's like I think we have this attitude in our office where we don't ever think that we're, we're the only ones that are right like we, we can be easily swayed not easily swayed but convinced mm-hmm. I guess on from, from other parties whether it be people in our office or, or listening and seeing everything else and that push pull with yeah. yeah and so I guess yeah I guess having those conversations with the wet broods bloody great that that one came off because mm-hmm. that was another sellout night so it was a good show so moving forward this year um, I know you boys so you don't like to just sit on your laurels and, and do this exactly the same side as last year even though that was a ridiculous side um, can you give us any teasers uh, as to what's going on this year so probably can't talk about acts yet but yep. um, I guess I mean Mate, we love the dome, so the dome's coming back. Good. Um, sky deck, like festoons, lights. We love that warm sort of feel in that space. Um, we're, I guess, learning from the first first weekend of the first year of Ice Cream Factory where we had this, like, the, the bottleneck. Do you remember that crazy yeah, yeah. bottleneck where we had the first pineapple club? Everyone sort of just wanted to be in that same spot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. We, we fixed the site up last year by creating those bottlenecks and more, I guess, discovery points. I think this year again we're looking to just get the flow just that much better again and having maybe a little bit wider dance floor for the ice cream tower outside making the indoor factory stage bigger because we, we sold out all our headline shows in the factory so 
Now we're using the full factory, so I guess expect bigger acts than what we had last year because yeah. we're bigger acts. The acts were pretty big last year, so that's big. exciting. So bigger acts got bigger. Start saving more structures outside. So we're playing around with a few three-story structures right now, which are going to look pretty cool. Three-story, I um, like it. Three-story. There might be a waterfall involved this year. Is that right? Um, we did the beach last year, <laughs> yeah. so we that need to cool. keep uh, keep the water involved. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It is summer in December. People don't mind looking at a bit of water when they're having a few drinks. Exactly. Yeah. So it's looking really good for us again. Just playing within, um, yeah, playing within three weeks, having different content each different night, hitting different demographics each night. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's looking, it's looking really cool. So, yeah. Um, can't wait to announce, which will be in late September. So for that one. Yeah. Awesome. So late September, artists will be released. All the artists will be released at that point. Or yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. And then that'll be the full description of of what the activations are going to be. And working with um, some other bricks and mortar uh, bars again. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So I've got a few of those involved. There's been some really good relationships out of those guys. Um, and can, we, can we say what um, venues you're going to be working with? Oh, or not, not just there's, yet? There's still a few that are up for grabs, but there's been some great players we've worked with in the past. So yeah. that we're also doing a huge amount of focus on interstate right now. So um, a few meetings with Tourism WA, a few hotels and things too, allocating a certain amount of tickets to a show to interstate only guests um combining those with like money you can't buy experiences where one of the, the things we're really trying to do is give people a reason to come back to perth in december mm-hmm. or go on a holiday to perth yeah so there's some cool ideas packaging some stuff up to the around cricket and, and all sorts of things mm-hmm. there but i mean for me i know so many of my mates who've moved to melbourne sydney um and the only time we get up ever you know, try and be able to shoot back to, to Perth is December. Yeah. And just give me that extra reason, like, yeah, probably should go back to Perth and here's some more content. Yeah. And then also trying to put it to people who, you know, as a one-up go and check it, have a junket over in WA for a weekend and, and give them a sort of a big solution for that too. So yeah. you had some, you had a fair, fair few people from Eastern States buy tickets just last December and also internationally as well, didn't you? 3,000 state tickets. And wow. And there's uh, 800 uh, 300 internationals there's, and then for the beer fest there was 800 interstate so beer fest coming up in August we're really going to push that put some really good interstate breweries yeah. Yeah. maybe a couple of internationals as yeah. Well. yeah so which is pretty exciting yeah yeah. that's sort of where we're trying to take the beer festival is, is to is to really try and draw down on those breweries that, that people haven't seen before yeah you know Important content. Point of difference. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, exactly, yeah. we, we've got the mentality of not trying to keep expanding the thing forever. Uh, we've now like got to a capacity. We're happy. We're satisfied. Mm-hmm. Now it's about how do we keep that uh, customer experience really, really high. Keep continuing to impress people. Something new, something different. Mm-hmm. Um, Over delivering, and that way we keep up demand. Not necessarily you know increase supply, just keep the demand high. Mm-hmm. I love it. So, well, big question here. In ten years' time. Uh, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I guess it's a it's an interesting question that we do talk about probably monthly over a couple of beers. But mm-hmm. you know, with with what we've been through to get to this point, ten years just seems like a ludicrous thing to think <laughs> Four about. Four years you know, ago, you'd be you'd we, be a bit surprised. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, we've had to pivot year after yeah, year. Yeah. You know, to get to this point. But I think I think the the thing that is ultimately where we're at now that will ensure that we're a sustainable business moving forward is that push pull. And when it comes to customer experience, we, we I guess, take our organisations to approach it in a similar way to what a, what a retail store that's had 
10 years or 20 years of success is they're constantly mm-hmm. talking and thinking about customer experience. Yeah. You know, we're constantly trying to push the boundaries of what they are going to experience at our event. And then the pull is, can we actually make this, you know, economically viable? Yeah. And can we keep doing so? You know, as long as we keep, I guess, evolving for the customer. Um, exactly. You know, we'll be continuing to do this in, in whatever way that, you know, we have I, to pivot. I think um, we've, for the first, not first, for the first time, we've, we've had a really clear strategy uh, for the next 12 months. And that was for us to not take on anything new. So we're not trying to bite off anything else. We've had just opportunity thrown at us. There's, there's so much on the table right now. A lot of people asking to do state stuff. There's a lot of other events, festivals want to pick us up. And um, we've said that for the next 12 months, we want to do what we did last year, yeah. but just do it better. Yeah. Um, and really then, consolidate. Yeah, exactly. and that, that way we've got a year as well of like just, just reviewing any opportunities and everything and just this having cooler heads and thinking what would we like to be doing in 2020 mm-hmm. and then I guess going from there. So the idea is for nothing new until 2021 financial year. Yeah. So, yeah. Bit of a footy answer. I like it. Just one week at a time. Just take one week at a time. But yeah. now I, I understand. It's uh, you can been a crazy it, few yeah. years. Yeah. Take it further with the footy and we've got we've got two goalposts with the ice cream factory. One is the size of the venue mm-hmm. and two is the regulation of 21 days. So mm-hmm. so we're, we're always bound by those two goalposts. So really all we can do for the for the business and for the customer and to ensure we can, you know, keep making them spend their money with us is, is increasing the value and the content, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and yeah. the exclusivity of actually getting to an event at the Ice Cream Factory. It's just mm-hmm. going to continue yeah. to build and build and build. And I guess on, on hindsight from last year, I mean, we took on, we did the Winter Ice Cream Factory. Yeah. Um, for us in hindsight, that wasn't uh, where we want to be steering our business. Uh, it was a, a combination of a couple of opportunities, and in hindsight, it feels like we just did it for being opportunistic mm-hmm. rather than being like what we want to be doing. Yeah. And so we we then followed up. So we, we sort of had an event which we weren't super proud of. We, we had a bit of a debrief with the team and, and everyone asked, you know, did your mates and stuff come down? And, and a lot of our staff were saying, barely even invited them. Mm-hmm. And for us, it was just like, what if the fucking office is, came on this? Like, yeah. why are we? Yeah. So then we followed up by the Perth Craft Beer Festival and we were walking around this site as a team. Everyone invited down their mates there's this thing of like we put on this this festival which well, we're just all pretty fucking proud of mm. um, and uh, we're like that's what we want to be doing and so from there we moved into doing ice cream where again we felt like we, we then hit everything we wanted to hit mm-hmm. um, and so yeah it's become very very clear with us now with decisions moving forward are we really into this like is this a fuck yes and if it's mm-hmm. a fuck yes let's do it yeah. if it's not it's, uh, it's a no yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah that's kind of got us like really, really focused on what we're doing now. Well, that's another lesson we learned along the way, isn't it? If, if what you're doing has no purpose other than to make money, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to work. That's going to seep through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you and your friends are not keen and you know, the workers and their friends, yeah, then that's yeah. going to flow through. I think we're starting to see that around the industry as well. A few events and things that might be seen as a bit more opportunistic rather than just being something quality, a bit of, bit of a nice sort of stable plan. Um, well, they'll burn bright and burn fast, but they'll burn out. Yeah. Um, and then, but we see the, the people that are a little bit more, I guess, a little bit more collected and have a bit of a greater plan um, seem to be doing really, really well. So I guess we want to be in that camp. Yeah. And um, do you see there being a, you know, people 
I'm always going to go to obviously your bricks and mortar uh, businesses, but do you ever see uh, pop-up bars um, retracting or there being um, a pullback on the actual punter? Um, I think we've just seen a big retraction this year. Mm-hmm. Like there's obviously a few big names and stuff of um, no longer there. Um, the I mean I like seeing Embargo going to on the point. I love that site myself. I thought that was that's really good with a great market as those guys. So mm-hmm. if anyone can pull off that site, it's, it's going to be those guys. Um, and then I guess yeah, it's I think on the bricks and mortar question, there's been a bit of relaxation now with our fresco fees and our fresco laws. Like, it would be my dream to see during you know December or Jan February shut James Street and let the bricks and mortars. Do like extended our fresco, put like, tables and chairs out the street, and, and service and stuff, uh, the, mm. the food and drinks stuff out the street. Yeah, um, you wouldn't need like the bank of taxis down James Street, like people to walk on the street. Yeah, and instead let the traders roar. Um, how much more of a vibe would, would the fringe awesome. and Perth Festival have? And mm. Adelaide already do it, um, and it's great. And then you know you have you have still all the, the pop up sites that are associated with the festival still do well, but. They, they draw people in from around the world, including mm. myself, um, Chris, with Flow of Adelaide. Mm. Excuse me, yeah, yeah, yeah. We try and try and get over and see other people's events. So. Yeah, I think what we saw with with our industry, particularly in in the, the pop up or event world, is that we we spent five years getting to the point of Ice Cream Factory, which is mm. the five thousand person, four and a half thousand person site times twenty one. You know, we we saw our competitors in the market launch themselves into that scale straight away mm. um, and it's it's really difficult you know it's, it's sort of like us saying okay we're now going to go into 40,000 person multi-day music festivals tomorrow mm. yeah you know it's it's not a sustainable growth yeah. um, strategy so what what I'm hoping to see is is we get some players in the market that are starting at that 200 500,000 yeah, and get that and, right and yeah. learning the lessons and getting that right and providing hopefully a point of difference to what we create yeah. And then that having some success and then challenging us on a different level. Yeah. So competition's good. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing is that there's, you know, competition spurs you on, makes you innovate, makes you try to be better. There's there's literally, you know, the ACCC, there's laws around ensuring there's, there's business competition. Yeah. There's, you know, the bit of the resentment from bricks and mortars about how we can do what we do, but the law states they can do exactly the same thing and they've... They've relaxed a lot of their licensing stuff now, so they can have the caterers away permit. They can do everything that that, that, that we do. Can do as well. It's just just put in the lease, do the application, do the work. Um, I think. Well, I've, I know I've seen firsthand people come into the site, and then people eat before they come into the. They're at restaurants beforehand, and then you guys are finishing, you know, by eleven o'clock, and they're yeah. going into you know clubs and geisha and different places um, that spread out from there. Exactly. So more people into the so area. You'd imagine is a good thing. It's a good time for Northbridge, really. Mm-hmm. You know, and it used to be just fringe time, and 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 fringe, you know, is its own beast, and and that attracts people in different ways, and and the the customer behaviour pattern, I guess, is is very different to what we provide in December. So hopefully, you know, between the major events that are going to continue to be there, mm-hmm. um, there is some some good turnover for the other businesses as well. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on some lighter stuff now, boys. Um, just some Perth-based uh, questions. Uh, that was great. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I knew it was a good story, so I wanted everyone else to, to hear it as well. So, uh, places. What's your favourite coffee shop? 
What about you, first Chris? Oh, I'm just, I'll hit you straight between the eyes. I have, have to be Drift Kitchen in Scarborough. Okay. <laughs> Which I, <laughs> is, is my cafe. Ah, okay. We didn't actually plan that, everyone. That was, uh, there you go. So, uh, whereabouts in Scarborough? Uh, it's suburban Scarborough, so on Calais Road. Um, yeah, just just back from the beach. So, it's just a just a neighbourhood cafe, churning out some good brekkies and um, and dinners four nights a week. Awesome. Mm. Mary Street Bakery, those guys are great to us in the office and do a bit of contra stuff for So you're not saying his Alright, favourite place to go out and then have a drink late at night? Yeah, well how late's late? I'm I'm a Juanitas man mm-hmm. in, in Serbia. Yeah. yeah. Um, big fan, big fan of the, the European alfresco situation going on. Yeah, okay, yeah. beautiful. Love Lucy's for a couple of shanties, of which we've had a couple there. We have had a couple. Um, <laughs> mate, there's, there's a few. Uh, I mean, I try and visit, I guess, as many new things as I can when they open up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're good operators down there. Lucy's. Good boys. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Favourite beach? Right now, probably not the weather for it, but... I'm City Beach for sure. City Beach. Yeah, City yeah. Beach, man. Stocky yeah. standard from here, yeah. yeah. A little yeah. lefty off the groin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably the same. Okay. Uh, best hidden gem in Perth. That's a very broad question, but I think I've looked back into my neighbours. Yeah, yeah. Not not super secret anymore, but uh, yeah, well, there's got to be something better we can think of than that. Mate, it would have been nice a bit of prep with this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving next one. Uh, favorite book or podcast that you're reading or listening to at the moment. Anything Michael Pollan for me. Michael so, Pollan, what is he? So he's got, um, people might be familiar with his Netflix show, which is called Cooked. Yeah. There's four episodes on it. Um, fairly philosophical and goes down the line of uh, almost in a sapiens direction, talking mm-hmm. about evolutionary history and, you know, human nature and that yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Psychology, decision yeah. making. I'll have to put mm-hmm. that on the list. Yeah. That's interesting, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I love listening to an audiobook before going to bed, so... Just kind of de-stress. Um, yeah, just zone out and put on a 30-minute timer and fall asleep. Yeah. Um, one of us who currently uh, just a number of times is Headstrong, which I love. Yeah. It's just, just makes, uh, after I sat on eating a fucking loaf of bread over the weekends, um, <laughs> trying to avoid those red zone foods and get a red zone and exercise and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it's pretty it. basic stuff really, but it's, you've got to be reminded. Yeah. Hamish so, yeah. and Andy gives me the giggles too. Love it. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't all have to be highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gents. Uh, really appreciate the time. No worries. Uh, Thank you. Thanks, mate. Really cool story. And keep uh, kicking goals for, uh, for Perth and bringing people over to our nice little city. Yeah, love what you do too, mate. Uh, <laughs> got to say, there's, there's been great having involved in stuff last year and love what you're doing too. So. Awesome. Thanks, Ash. Appreciate it.